know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. The International Human Trafficking and Social Justice Conference is the largest and oldest academic conference on human trafficking in the nation. Join us for our 18th annual conference hosted virtually this year on September 22nd through the 24th. You will have the opportunity to learn from and collaborate with thousands of advocates, researchers, experts, and survivors from all over the world. Find out more information and register today on our website, traffickingconference.com. This is episode 108 of the Emancipation Nation podcast. And this week, I want to do a solo episode, actually a series on trauma, because trauma is so critically important to a survivor's recovery, and it's important for us to understand trauma. So I want to take a deeper dive into what trauma is, uh, how it affects survivors. I want to talk about uh, the differences between trauma-informed care and what that is and trauma treatment, because I think a lot of us are confused about that. And quite frankly, I think we throw around the word trauma and trauma-informed care, but we don't always know a lot about it. So I want to spend some time really talking about trauma. We all say it's important that our survivors get trauma treatment and that we provide trauma-informed care, but we really need to know what it is, how it affects survivors, and what we should really do about it. So a lot of our survivors suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. And where did PTSD originally come from? It came from work with soldiers. Um, soldiers were coming back from war and they were shell-shocked is what we used to call it. Now the diagnosis is post-traumatic stress disorder. So um, how do soldiers become trained enough to go over and commit war, uh, kill someone they never even met? That's done because uh, soldiers are taking into a space in life trained uh, until they wholeheartedly 100% support whatever it is the people that have them under their control say. Now, this happens all around the world. Uh, Regardless of your political beliefs or political persuasion, this is how it's done. So that I can send you uh, to another country to kill someone that you've never met, I have to train you and gain your complete commitment and loyalty. When you come back from war, because of the the atrocities sometimes that you had to commit that are so against uh, your kind, loving soul and spirit, you come back home after the congratulations and after the fanfare, you're sitting with yourself knowing what has happened in your life. 
and you feel a lot of shame, regret, fear. Uh, you start having night sweats, nightmares, um, perhaps uh, physical uh, effects, emotional effects, mental health effects. You can experience depression, anxiety. I'm going to talk about over 80 ways that you can experience trauma. But the point of this discussion is the same thing happens with our survivors. They're taken away into somebody's space where that person's voice, that person's thoughts and opinions uh, become theirs. They become committed in their minds and their hearts often, and they're willing to do whatever that controller, that trafficker tells them to do. It's called trauma bonding. And so when they get out of that situation, just like the soldier, they're sitting with themselves and their kindness, their humanity, uh, who they knew they always were, tries to creep back in. But what they have is toxicity within them, things that they don't like that they've done. And they start to blame themselves and feel shame about what they've done. And so they start to experience depression, anxiety, and all of the symptoms. None of what happened is, of course, their fault. But they start to take blame for what happened. And what happens when you feel ashamed and you blame yourself? You try to root out the ugliness that you don't like. You try to cover it with alcohol. You try to cover it with drugs. You try to avoid it. You try to numb it out. Or you engage in self-destructive type activities. So that is why we are saying over and over and over in our, our circles that trauma treatment is so critically important for our survivors. So I want to take some time and just talk about that. Being able to survive such horrific experiences is nothing greater than a feat of great strength, a force of nature, a miracle, and it's often against all odds. Individuals that survive sex trafficking, labor trafficking, sexual abuse, neglect, sexual exploitation, rapes, beatings, domestic violence, or a combination of those things should be seen for what they are which are heroes because they fought for their lives and they got to keep their lives. The fighting they did involved the use of survival skills. They used survival skills to get through what they experienced in order to survive it. Just like on the show Survivors, our survivors have been to hell and back. Some survivors even survived abortions, chronic and poorly cared for illnesses, psychological manipulation, broken loyalties, and betrayals by all others that they trusted. Many have suffered childhood abuses and neglect by those who were charged with protecting them. Some have gone without food when they wanted it, sleep when they wanted it, in a safe place to be when they needed it. At their darkest, most vulnerable moments in life, no one was there to help them or save them. They learned that trust had no real meaning and love came with pain. Power and control was taken over by somebody else who used it against them and for their own gain. 
survivors showed valor and courage, making it through their circumstances. But just like soldiers of war, they didn't leave their experiences behind. Many survivors suffer post-traumatic stress disorder and had the symptoms of depression, anxiety, and hypervigilance, to name a few. Many suffer drug addiction, a lack of trust, inappropriate boundary issues, and have criminal records. However, unlike war, where you never leave a man behind, almost everyone that purported to love survivors of sex trafficking and other abuses let them down and left them behind. The police officers, social workers, healthcare providers, and other professionals they encountered not only let them down, but stigmatized, discriminated against them, and treated them as if what was happening to them wasn't important enough to warrant serious time and investment in caring about them. Because of these experiences, they too begin to believe that they are indeed worthless and no longer gave themselves the time, self-love, and kind care they needed to heal and grow past their experiences. They indeed survived their experience, but brought out of their war with them a personal wreckage, that of which no one can see but them. They use what they've been using to hide their internal pain. They manipulate, they pretend, they put on a face and act like a person you wanna see. You wanna see a survivor, the hero, the image of a well put together strong woman that survived it all. Here she is ready to do the presentation for you. But in reality, she pretends to her own detriment. No one wants to be called a victim. They refer to themselves often as survivors. But to say, I survived, is not good enough. If you ask somebody, how are you doing? Surviving. That's not truly living. So we have to work to help support survivors to move from victim to survivor to thriver. Surviving the past should be held in high esteem and celebrated. Surviving is a monumental feat of great strength and endurance because the survivor brought all the skills to bear they needed to survive. However, living a life as a survivor doesn't suggest that all the healing needed after surviving a traumatic experience has been done. When asked, how are you? And someone asks, answers, I survive or I'm surviving, doesn't suggest that they're truly living the life they wanna live. Being a victim, a survivor, then a thriver are action words. Just as victim should remain your identity, neither should survivor. If every day you operate as a victim, then every day you are subject to being taken advantage of. You see yourself as a victim and you act accordingly. If you're a victim, then almost everyone else you see looks like a perpetrator. Surviving is also an action word indicating that you will remain in survival mode with the survivor's mentality. Just like no one wants to be called a victim, no one's identity should remain survivor. Survivor is but a rest stop on the highway heading somewhere else. Your destination is thriverhood and all that it entails. If you want a good definition of victim, survivor, 
Thriver in more detail, check out episode 88 where I talk about that there. But I also want to talk about the traumas because trauma can be uh, multi-layered, multi-leveled. And a lot of us, I think, walk around talking about human trafficking as if it was just a, uh, a victimization that occurred once and maybe it lasted over time and we need to rescue these folks. And once we rescue them, they can get on the path to recovery. And um, there are really uh, many variations of trafficking and trafficking experiences. But for just to simplify the conversation, there are what we call opportunity trafficking or situational trafficking where someone is uh, has not suffered previous abuses, wasn't particularly vulnerable because of risk factors. And maybe they there was an opportunity and someone took advantage of them. There are also more commonly victims that have been vulnerable for a very long time. And these victims may have suffered previous abuses, uh, sexual assaults, uh, intimate partner violence, maybe childhood sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, or neglect. And so these, these victims have longer-term vulnerabilities. They've suffered trauma over and over. Perhaps it's now chronic trauma, complex trauma. And so we talk about trauma. There's really various types of trauma. There's acute trauma where, for instance, you stubbed your toe. And wow, there's acute pain right there. That's an acute episode of a traumatic event. Maybe you had a car accident and uh, that happened one time. It was horrific and it has stayed with you because you've suffered trauma. But let's say, let's go back to the foot analogy. Let's say you stub your toe, you had an acute trauma. But because of that trauma, you have a hairline fracture um, that the doctor doesn't see. And so you just kind of limp on that foot. You don't really find out. You don't go deeper and you don't find that trauma. So you favor your good foot, but you know what? You stepped on a piece of glass and you hurt your good foot. Now um, you wash it off, you put a Band-Aid on it, but there's an infection that starts because you didn't really attend to that trauma either. And so now you're walking kind of funny because, you know, you have a hairline fracture in one foot and you have a cut and an infection starting on another foot. Now you kind of really don't like walking. You try to make it as short a distance as possible. You sit down a lot. Instead of focusing in on your trauma and healing your trauma correctly and appropriately, you try to compensate. So you try to avoid certain situations, you avoid walking a long time. When you have to walk, it's painful. You just know that this is the way you walk. And it's a little different than the way everybody else walks, but you have to compensate because you don't want to dig into that infection. But let's say you go into a specialist and you learn that you have those traumas and there are ways to heal those traumas. And you work on healing those traumas. And now you're able to walk upright and you're able to walk with confidence and you're able to go a further distance and you're able to enjoy your life that much more. 
That's what trauma is like. Acute trauma that continues, continues to happen repeatedly can turn into chronic trauma. When different traumas happen in your life, that can become complex trauma. Then you have the daily hassles related to stress. Perhaps you experience microaggressions because of your race, your ethnicity, your gender, your sexual orientation or identity. And you start to pile all of those things onto a person and they suffer daily trauma. So what are some of the symptoms that you can experience as a victim of trauma? Numerous. This comes from SAMHSA. Some of the emotional reactions just immediately after a trauma, you can experience numbness and detachment, anxiety, severe fear, guilt, exhilaration as a result of surviving, anger, sadness, helplessness, feeling unreal or depersonalization of the experience, disorientation, feeling out of control, denial, constriction of feelings and feeling overwhelmed. Now, over time, those emotional reactions can turn into irritability, hostility, depression, mood swings, instability, anxiety, or phobias, fear of the trauma reoccurring, feeling grief, shame, feeling fragile or vulnerable or emotionally detaching. Some physical reactions right after trauma can, can turn into um, nausea, gastrointestinal distress, sweating, shivering, fainting, muscle tremors, uncontrolled shaking, elevated heartbeat, respiration, blood pressure, extreme fatigue, exhaustion, sleep disturbances, nightmares, somatic responses like body aches, appetite or digestive changes, lower resistance to colds and infections, persistent fatigue, elevated cortisol, hyperarousal, long-term health effects to your heart, your liver, your autoimmune diseases. Some of your cognitive reactions, difficulty concentrating, ruminating or racing thoughts, distortion of time and space or motion, memory problems, strong identification with the term victim. Some of the delayed cognitive reactions might be intrusive memories, flashbacks, reactivation of previous traumatic events, self-blame, preoccupation with the event, difficulty making decisions, magical thinking, belief in certain behaviors, including avoidant behavior. Belief that feelings or memories are dangerous, generalization of triggers, avoiding being alone, particularly during the day or the night. Some behavioral reactions are having a startled reaction to things, restlessness, sleep and appetite disturbances, difficulty expressing oneself, argumentative behavior, increased use of alcohol, drugs, or tobacco, withdrawal and apathy, avoidant behaviors. Over time, these behaviors can become avoidance to event reminders, social relationship disturbances, decreased activity levels, engagement in high-risk behaviors, increased use of drugs and alcohol even more, and more withdrawal. Some victims suffer an intense uh, use of prayer 
the loss of self-efficacy, despair about humanity, uh, immediate disruption of life's assumptions, questioning, why me? Why did this happen to me? Increased cynicism and delusionment, increased self-confidence. If I survive this, I can survive anything and then acting recklessly. Loss of purpose, hopelessness, uh, reestablishing of life's priorities, redefining meaning and the importance of life and reworking life's assumptions to accommodate the trauma. So is any of this resonating with you? Have you seen clients have any of these symptoms? If you have, then trauma explains a lot of it. Trauma is often the root of some of the problems. And sometimes we want to write in our clients' folders, you know, they're non-compliant, they're hostile, um, they are moody, emotional, they go off at you. But if we understand trauma and trauma-informed care, then we'll understand why people may be reacting the way that they're reacting. It is critically, critically important that you understand that. And so while a lot of us say, you know, trauma-informed care is, is so important, it is, it is critically important, but so is trauma treatment. And so next time I want to talk about trauma-informed care and what that is and what that looks like, and also various types of trauma treatments that we should be getting our clients, our survivors linked to. And so just like the soldier who comes home and brings all the pain with him, the same thing happens with post-traumatic stress disorder that's suffered by victims of human trafficking. Trauma treatment is critically important. Trauma-informed care, something different, something also important. In the next episode, I want to talk about the differences between trauma-informed care and trauma treatment and what both of those are and how they help trafficking survivors to heal and recover. I also want to just leave you with this. You know, there's a difference between shame and guilt. And a lot of our survivors suffer shame. Guilt is what you feel when you've done something wrong. You feel guilty because you've done something wrong. That's an appropriate feeling. However, in terms of human trafficking, survivors should not feel guilty because they have not done anything wrong. They did not cause their own trafficking experience. But well beyond guilt, some of our survivors feel shame. And shame is something totally different. Shame is what you feel when you are something wrong. And to try to root out shame without being under the care of a professional is when you start experiencing drug addiction because you are trying to numb the pain and avoid the shame. That's when you start engaging in destructive habits and activities. Or it's when you become so depressed that you're almost suicidal because you are trying to kill that part of yourself that is suffering the shame. So I want to also delve more into trauma. And so that's why I really want to focus this series 
on trauma and the effects of trauma. I've also been working on a 12-step recovery program that I want to reveal to you in a in the next episode and some episodes to come because I really think we're doing a great job with policies and passing laws and increasing awareness. And even in our areas of direct service where we're helping survivors to link to legal services and housing and basic needs and substance abuse services and all the things, but we're not taking a lot of care with what's happening internally with survivors. And so I want to talk a lot more about that in the, in the upcoming episodes, but I hope you enjoyed this episode on trauma. And next time I'm going to talk more about trauma-informed care and what that is and trauma treatments that are available to survivors. Until then, the fight continues. Let's not just do something, let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.